Hello and welcome to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant and I live and work in South East London. I'm a mum myself and if you're new here then this is a space where we explore all of the alternatives to sleep training and uh, how ways that we can improve and optimise our little one's sleep while still being responsive and thinking holistically about all of the different areas that impact sleep. And a lot of these areas are emotional um, as well as physical needs that little ones have. But also with this series, what I spend a lot of time doing is actually looking at our own parental, often maternal sleep as well, and explore all of the things that impact how night times and nap times are for us as well. And Today's episode is one that I am really passionate about. We're covering a subject that I don't think has enough of a conversation around. So today's guest is the perinatal psychologist, Dr. Caroline Boyd, and she has written an incredibly beautiful and helpful book, practically helpful, (laughs) I can't stress that enough, and her book is called Mindful New Mum, and it's released on the 3rd of February 2022. And so it's available for pre-order now, or if you're listening in real time, it's coming out this week. So you may have come across Caroline already via her brilliant uh, Instagram account, where she does a lot of work to destigmatize and normalize the parts of motherhood that can be a bit trickier to navigate, such as maternal rage and intrusive thoughts, which are two things I'm going to be talking to her about today. I also love that Caroline is essentially on a mission to help us parents increase the connection we have to ourselves as well as to our children and she's really here to dispel the myth of super mum. So as a mum of two herself Caroline has over 10 years experience working in the NHS and mental health settings where she specialised in supporting parents from pregnancy to childbirth and all aspects of the transition to parenthood and as she puts it on her own website birthing a new identity as a mum can be as demanding as birthing a baby whether it's your first or fifth which I I absolutely just agree with and I really think that it is so important that we as parents have more conversations about this about what happens to the parent when the child is born emotionally you know spiritually you know psychologically all of this stuff that's happening in our inner worlds so mindful new mum a mind body approach to the highs and lows of motherhood was written as essentially what caroline says as an antidote to all the parenting manuals out there that are prescribing a right way to mother so in this book which i've been reading all week um caroline kindly sent me an advanced copy and I really, really recommend it. Um, but what she offers is our kind of holistic care with a focus on mindful compassion, evidence-based psychology ideas, meditations, visualizations, nutritional advice, natural remedies, baby massage, and yoga. So it really does incorporate so many aspects of our lives as new mothers, you know, mind, body, soul, everything. But what I really love in particular is how practical it is. 
Yeah, so it really, it, it's this gorgeous mix of practical help and insights into why we feel the way we do. I absolutely love everything that this book is about. I'm really over the idea of parenting experts telling us how to do it. Caroline's work is actually all about making choices for your family that work for you and are aligned with your own values, whatever they may be. And I'm here for that. So uh, what made me want to ask Caroline onto the podcast was, well, aside from me just being generally a fan of everything she's talking about, um, was that she did her doctoral research on unwanted intrusive thoughts about babies. So um, this episode does come with trigger warnings, though, um, because intrusive thoughts are something I've wanted to talk about for a really long time um, having experienced them myself but it's a really delicate conversation so the trigger warning is that we discuss some taboo subjects and some of you might find this episode an uncomfortable listen depending where you're at right now so if the following subjects are triggering for you you might find it best just to skip this one However, in the show notes, I've also signposted to some fantastic mental health charities and organisations, as well as some advice for people in the UK on the care pathways available to them. So yeah, so this episode does talk about postnatal depression, anxiety and psychosis, and we discuss unwanted intrusive thoughts and taboo topics like self-harm, suicide and harming babies. So let's just go straight into it <laughs> without any further ado um I'm aware that these subjects are heavy they're they're big things to talk about but what I love is the the light and the grace and compassion that Caroline brings to it so let's go here it here it is the sleep like a baby podcast is supported by the octopus club the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, the Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second-hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com to sign up today. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. No, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled we could do this and um, there is obviously so much to cover. So um, maybe we could just start off with you just telling us right from the get-go, what are intrusive thoughts? Okay, well, um, what are intrusive thoughts? <laughs> Sometimes I think it's helpful to zoom out a little bit. Mm. Um, so what I tend to say is just thinking about more generally um, and how common intrusive thoughts are in the general population. So I think they've been found to be experienced by sort of 80 to 90% of people. And by unwanted intrusive thoughts, I'm talking about say an involuntary urge to scream really loudly when you're in a really hushed building or um, another example, so when I went to New York and I, this was quite some years ago now, but definitely pre-children, but I went up the Empire States building and I had this, you know, involuntary urge 
to jump off because mm. I was, you know, in, in that thought, you know, was, my mood was fine. I was in a really good mood. Um, and, but that thought was just kind of cued by what was going on around me in that I was up a very tall building. Um, so it's usually, you know, the most inappropriate thing that we can think about that just comes into our mind, pops up quite unexpectedly. And the most inappropriate thing that you can think of doing. So these are these are thoughts that tend to fly in the face of social convention. Um, and that's why they can be experienced as, um, you know, surprising, sometimes quite unpleasant and with feelings of horror mm. quite often. And then when we when we become parents or particularly, I suppose we're talking about mothers today, mm-hmm. how common is it then for, for mothers to have those intrusive thoughts? Yeah, so a particular category of these intrusive thoughts are unwanted intrusive thoughts related to harming our baby Um, and these can be word thoughts so thinking you know my baby isn't safe or images or urges or impulses and they broadly come in two forms so there are unwanted intrusive thoughts of accidentally harming our baby Um, for example having you know a a vivid image of dropping your baby down the stairs Mm -hmm. or um, having a worry thought about your baby suffocating Mm -hmm. or choking. Um, And those have been found to be pretty much universal in, in my study and the larger studies, because for my research, I explored unwanted intrusive thoughts about our babies in new or recent mothers. And the other, the other category of these thoughts are thoughts of intentional harm. So examples of these might be unwanted thoughts of screaming at your baby or having an unwanted urge to throw or to shake your baby. And these have been found to be reported by nearly one in two women. Um, so that's still a lot Mm. Um, and I guess the likelihood is is that's an underestimation because of the fears around disclosing these kinds of thoughts Mm. so they're actually really really common but they're just very little talked about they're still very taboo they are and that just just hearing that just hearing that it's about half and like you say possibly an Mm. underestimation just makes me feel so much better because Mm. when I had my baby so I live in this uh, we live in a flat we're on the fourth floor we've got these really big windows they're lovely and then I had my baby and I just like it took me a very long time to be able to walk past my bedroom window without feeling like yeah that I was going to trip and drop him out of the window somehow or Mm. oh it was just it it took it was really really overwhelming to keep having those repeated thoughts um yeah so yeah just hearing that how how common it is instantly just makes me feel yeah better I think that many of the the mums and maybe dads listening will will feel able to relate to that so thank you for sharing I mean one one question I have and obviously you know you don't need to say too much but it's just do you remember how those those um having that image or you know a thought Mm. around dropping your baby or your baby somehow sort of flying out the window how they left you feeling I think there would have been like a 
I remember feeling a tightness in my chest and just mm-hmm. um, just a sense of panic, actually, and um, of, of loss of control and mm-hmm. worry and then shame as well. Um, like, like I couldn't, like I should just get it together. Like, why am I even thinking? You know, why am I thinking that? You know, what is going through my brain? Obviously, I'm not going to drop. You know, there was a rational part of me that would feel, obviously, Hannah, you're not going to drop your baby out of a window you're very careful with your baby you know it's not like but equally it was that powerlessness over those thoughts um that I it was kind of confusing and embarrassing and shameful I suppose they're all a lot all at once yeah so a whole mix and that's this is what you know we found is that and I get and I also I know from my clinical work working with mums is that these kinds of unwanted thoughts can be experienced by new mums is really upsetting you know they can be really quite Mm. um, frightening and paralyzing and it's because they come with these intense emotions and you know this lack of controllability as you said yeah and then if you think of you know that so the intense emotions the lack of controllability coupled with the chaos of those you know those early months when you're grappling with your new role as a as a mum and you know it's 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 a lot and so it's it's not surprising that they they are experienced as as really quite overwhelming um and I guess you know you talked a little bit about the the shame and kind of ask yourself you know why am I even having these thoughts Mm. and I think that their experience is really upsetting as well because they are taboo and they're not talked about and actually women you know, do really feel shame and guilt and, and horror when they have these thoughts. And I guess it's just maybe important at this point to say that the very fact that women feel ashamed and horrified about having these thoughts is a strong sign that they're not going to hurt their baby. Mm. So, so these kind of thoughts that, you know, they're described in the literature as ego dystonic, which is kind of a fancy way of saying that they just don't sit comfortably with the woman. And that means that having these kinds of unwanted intrusive thoughts or images aren't indicative of risk in themselves. Mm. So why why do you why do you think then why don't we talk about this more then? Because I have to say, you know, I did an antenatal course and we did talk about kind of postnatal recovery a bit, and a lot of it was focused around the physical recovery and things like baby blues and postnatal depression came up mm-hmm. but there wasn't I, I never heard anyone talk about intrusive thoughts and I that really su- has surprised me now maybe you know and I, I think this comes up for a lot of other women I talk to as well um that it, it that can kind of come as a bit of a yeah a shock that it's even happening yeah yeah and I I also felt this well and I experienced the same in that mm. when I had my babies you know they're a little, they're not babies anymore <laughs> um, they're a little bit older but in the antenatal classes that I had unwanted intrusive thoughts were not mentioned yeah. you know and that's so that increases the overwhelm you know this sense that it, they come as such a shock um along with all the other parts of the adjustment and I think, you know, your question is, why don't we talk about them? And I think it's 
really because they just don't fit our ideas of what it means to be a good mum yeah so I think you know women worry that having these thoughts are a sign that they're mad or bad and that if we share them we'll be judged an unfit mum and worst I guess worst case scenario our baby might be taken away yeah so there are real fears around just having these thoughts and around sharing them I think and I, I felt like there was, I, I received actually quite a lot of information about postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety. And I feel like the conversation around those things is improving. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it can feel like it's either you have PND or you don't. And there's not a lot of conversation mm-hmm. about the, the gray area. You know, that th- it seems quite binary that you either have a mental illness or you're fine. and And therefore, if you're not experiencing pnd or maybe you are and you actually don't know that you are you know that there's this other area that's in between um yeah i think a lot of people feel like they're stuck in yeah and it's yeah it's so unhelpful isn't it having this binary which i guess is i think comes from in my view from the sort of medicalization of Mm. childbirth and and then our experiences when we have our babies that we either you know we either have as you say mental illness I mean what does that even mean yeah we don't and so but you know it's complicated because I think for some people I think well firstly I think the experience of postpartum depression means so many different things to different people Mm -hmm. and is experienced in so many different ways so that's one thing Um, And the other thing is that, of course, having a a diagnosis can be really helpful um, to many women because it offers a sense of relief and, Mm -hmm. you know, a sense of understanding and can be a gateway to support. So I think that's worth acknowledging. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's 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 about context, isn't it? And understanding that. that the way we're feeling is always on a, you know, it's it's on a spectrum and it's very much dependent on whatever our contexts are at the time. So I, I guess I tend to see things um, more in the context of matrescence mm-hmm. and understanding that when a mum, well, when a woman rather becomes a mother, she is undergoing a huge transition around her body, her identity, the relationships around her, um, her brain, (laughs) you know, there's all these changes. And I think matrescence is a very, I find it a very helpful way of of understanding that transition because, um, yeah, I don't know if you're, for any listeners that aren't familiar with the idea of matrescence, it's, um, it actually comes from an anthropologist and it's been sort of popularized by a perinatal psychiatrist called Alexandra Sachs. But it's just understanding that, you know, matrescence, it's no coincidence that it rhymes with adolescence. Yeah. And it's just to, to actually capture these huge transitions and shifts that are going on for a mother during this time. Um, so it's not that surprising that women often struggle And I think the really heavy context for modern mums is one of isolation. Mm. 
and this particular context um, in our culture where women are expected to raise babies in isolation um, is very abnormal. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, you know, we're, we're not designed to raise our babies alone. Um, but just bringing it back to the, this experience of unwanted intrusive thoughts, I think it really links to our ideas of the good mum. And that's what my, you know, my research found this too. And it's, um, I guess it's understanding that these kinds of unwanted intrusive thoughts are often influenced by our ideas of the good mum, as well as our own early experiences of being parented. So I don't know if it's helpful for me to talk a little bit about you know the myth of I call it the the super mum myth sometimes I understand it's a perfect mum myth yes I'm just sat here nodding furiously at everything you've just said I just completely agree and yeah I think that that super mum myth is really important to talk about so what are what are your views on it well I think it's incredibly powerful um I mean you know what what do we mean by that let's just unpick it a bit I think what I refer tend to refer to as the Superman myth, and you know, I'd be really curious to hear about your understanding of it. Is you know, for me, it's the way that in our culture, um, being a mum is seen as natural, blissful, and that you know, having a baby and being a mother is ultimately fulfilling and rewarding. And this idea that as mums, we are expected to be calm and in control and coping at all times mm-hmm. yeah I think it's just that the idea that natural equals easy is is part of the problem isn't it? you know and that um yeah completely I just think that we're just like there's this instinct that's supposed to just kick in mm-hmm. and that you're supposed to um know what know what your baby needs know and and be able to do it calmly without kicking up a fuss without causing you know that you are just this goddess that is born and that you're endlessly patient and endlessly um soothing and kind and that your needs no longer as important all of those things it's just exactly exactly and we're the thing is is that this myth really runs deep because as women we're fed a diet of all the good bits you know a cherry-picked version of motherhood if you like from Mm -hmm. you know the fairy tales that we read as children Mm -hmm. to the images that we're surrounded with you know such as the madonna and child Mm -hmm. images on church windows and this really does set the standard for what is a good mother Mm -hmm. and therefore a good woman and what is a bad one yeah and so it's the happy ever after isn't it it's the end of the story it's the love story and then they have the babies and it's all that's magical and that's the you know it's that's mm-hmm. the goal and then yeah the next bit isn't really ever talked about like it's anything other than just smooth sailing or yeah and the problem is is that the real danger I think with the supermom myth is that it really shapes women's expectations of motherhood and we know that. And the problem with this focus on perfection um, and the, this expectation that we as mothers will, you know, we we find it natural and, and we won't struggle um, and we will just 
find it emotionally straightforward is that it creates the idea that there's only one way to feel which mm. is joyful and calm and coping and in control and so any negative feelings mean that we're somehow bad or abnormal when of course we know in reality going back to this idea of matrescence that there's you know there's a whole kaleidoscope of emotions that we will experience um, in becoming a mother and through that transition. So I think that the supermum myth is actually, you know, it holds a lot of power. It shapes our own expectations of ourselves and, you know, and then kind of informs, well, it, it gets internalized. So in my research with mums, it shaped all of my participants ideas of the good mum and how they made sense of their harm thoughts and so this meant that half the women that I interviewed labeled their their intrusive thoughts as mad or bad because they interpreted their harm thoughts to mean they're a bad mum so when I say bad I mean for example one woman had um, recurring impulses to throw her baby from a bridge and then mm. thinking that she was somehow bad or, or mm. inadequate yeah gosh like the stigma of that like it just feels so taboo doesn't it I think if I'd heard that before I became a mother as well I think I'd find it quite shocking you know I can understand why obviously we understand why that feels taboo because it's it is a really horrible thing to think it is and it is and also I think you know thinking back to those early months feeling understandably overwhelmed mm. um, in the chaos of, the, of that raw yeah. time then you have an unwanted harm thought or an image or an impulse um, we know that they are more likely to be experienced in when we're stressed mm. there's a lot of stress in those early months and also feeling unsupported yeah. um, so you fit so you have this unwanted harm thought whatever it is and then you feel intensely bad about having that harm thought so you try to suppress it internally and then it becomes this downward spiral mm. yeah because I think as well it's not just us as mothers that have that super mum myth or those sort of unrealistic ideas it's also like the, the people around us our partners or support network can also sometimes mm. they're also living with that as well aren't they though you know so mm -hmm. you might actually share something with someone and they might feel um that that's inappropriate that and that might add to your own level of isolation then and and shame yeah I mean absolutely I've you know I've had um I talk a lot about the experience of having these unwanted intrusive thoughts on my page and you know quite a few women have said that they have had unhelpful responses when they did share their thoughts um and you're right we've all internalized these ideas around the superman myth you know um and so that you know that is is very unhelpful um that you know when a mom who's feeling very vulnerable does share having these kinds of thoughts that we're talking about today i should say um just to make it clear that the kinds of thoughts we're talking about today are distinct from the kinds of thoughts that might occur in postpartum psychosis mm -hmm. yeah of course They're, yeah that's, that's they those are, are different like you know more psychotic thoughts mm -hmm. and 
Of course, the context is important. So if a mum states intention to harm her baby or has a history of harming her baby, then of course the risk needs to be taken seriously. But with the anxious, unwanted harm thoughts that we're talking about today, you know, it's a, it's about how they make the mum feel. And really we want to get her some relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think also it's important just on this point that you're bringing um, is also the power of sharing these kinds of thoughts and feel, and then feeling validated. So, so actually for the, for some of the women in um, who I interviewed in my study, who, who were then able to share their thoughts, um, either to a friend or, sorry, with a friend or with a partner, um, they found it incredibly validating. So I would encourage anyone who's listening, who is, you know, who's experiencing these kinds of thoughts, you know, they are incredibly common. And I think if you can be brave and take a bit of a risk and share them with a mum friend, you might be surprised because the likelihood is they will have had, if not the same, fairly similar experiences and, you you know, it can be very normalising. And so I wanted to also ask you then, of course, we've talked a lot about how common they are and how normal and how we need to destigmatise these experiences for new mothers. Mm-hmm. But what can we also do for ourselves to obviously talking is as you say talking to someone who can understand is a big step forward but are there any other um ways to kind of navigate intrusive harm thoughts as a new mum yeah so I think firstly I think it's um making sense of your thoughts you know and understanding um how common they are and also maybe understanding a bit about why as a new mum you might get them um so they've been found to these kinds of thoughts have been found to occur as part of the adjustment to having a baby you know a way of adapting to the huge responsibility um so in my research these unwanted harm thoughts made women more conscious of their power in contrast to the baby's vulnerability. So they, you know, in you can then, maybe it's reassuring for people listening to understand these kind of thoughts as an adaptive response. You know, they help us as mums work out clear boundaries between what's morally acceptable and what's not, a bit like an effective warning system. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, with the, with your example at the beginning of, you know, that window and being high up, and you were talking about more um, perhaps accidental harm, you know, just mm. dropping your baby somehow out the window. You yeah. Know, incredibly understandable when you're feeling very raw and, and sort of still adjusting to this responsibility of this tiny person. Um, and, then, and then if you think about a mum who might be close to a window, even having a um, an unwanted image of throwing her baby out the window she then might what does she do she you know hugs her baby tighter Mm. so kind of alerting us to taking care and um I guess becoming vigilant to our to what we need to 
do to take care of our baby. Um, so that can be that sometimes hopefully reassuring to hear and maybe it's also reassuring to hear that there the intensity of these thoughts does tend to fade over time yes so the yeah. the women that I've worked with it clinically and in, in my research they let they learned gradually over time um and grew more confident in their positions of power yeah yeah in a previous episode I spoke to a neuroscientist about what happens in the parental brain during you know in that that matrescence period and I do think it's worth reminding ourselves that your adult brain never goes through a bigger shift than it does in the first you know I think it's 12 months maybe even 18 months after having a baby and like you're saying all these you know matrescence is not an insignificant shift it really is a change hormonally physically emotionally relationally all of those areas and so much more isn't it so um we just don't give it enough weight of importance in our society I don't think we just don't respect that that enormous shift is happening for people no I mean and you're you, you know I you're so right in bringing up those brain um and hormone changes and they you know it's a context that I think is can be again reassuring for mums to know um and these changes in our brains actually occur in pregnancy as a as a way of preparing us to you know do do things like multitask to meet our baby's needs and to empathize with our baby um and so the brain changes there's some really interesting research actually by a woman in the Netherlands and I talk about this in my new book as well because I think it's you know it's just knowledge that is important for, for us as mums to know about these you know these changes also going on in our brains yeah. um, and they've been found to to last at least two years postpartum if not more mm. and they're the affected brain areas um, are those that are related to I guess, sort of empathizing with our baby and re regulating our baby's response, sorry, regulating our own response to say the baby cooing at us as well as to perceive threats. Mm -hmm. Then you start to understand that that anxiety and hypervigilance that many new moms feel is a sign of, you know, the powerful dynamic maternal brain doing just what it's designed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And helping mums become these, you know, fierce protectors um, of yeah, their babies. Definitely. And so is that, oh, I just want to share as well, you know, I think obviously I'm a, I'm a sleep person. And, you know, mm -hmm. for me, a lot of these thoughts would come up uh, in the night mm -hmm. or um, uh, perhaps when I was feeling anxiety around sleep so you know if I was having if I'd had a bad night the night before and my baby was resisting a nap or I was worried about how long a nap would be or what have you then I could I might I saw a pattern and in fact I remember the first time my son ever slept through the night and it was a real anomaly like he'd been sleeping terribly and then suddenly one night he just did this epic like eight or nine hour stretch and I just lay there wide awake oh yeah the whole time just thoughts racing um yeah and I just I and then he didn't do it again for like you know maybe months later I think it was so cruel um but yeah I think that I think sleep is obviously a, a part of this isn't it it really is um yeah I think 
let's talk a bit about see maybe if we talk about it from the perspective of night wakings because we know so we know that sorts of intentional harm are triggered by stress mm. and if we think of you know what does that mean it can mean lots of different things um but one obvious understandable trigger that's really stressful often is hearing the baby cry for lo for long periods of time mm. um so there's a recent study by another by a, a really key researcher on this topic called Nicole Fairbrother and that study has found that thoughts of intentional harm you know these unwanted um thoughts or fears mm. or urges to deliberately hurt your baby even though you never would mm. um come with feelings of anger and frustration for mums and dads I should say dads have these unwanted thoughts too um as it stands at the moment with there's no there's no research been done on the relationship between these kinds of thoughts and experiences of trauma mm -hmm. um so when I say trauma I mean you know experiences of sexual abuse mm -hmm. um birth trauma and difficult experiences growing up and experiences of feeling othered related to say race or class mm. sexuality so I think that would be a really really important bit of research to to do um, as yet we don't have that research but if we just think for a little bit about what we know so we know that people's belief systems can be shaped by their life experiences including traumatic ones mm -hmm. and what's key is someone's perception of their ability to cope with a perceived threat so I know from working clinically with mums um, and from you know my own experience that listening to our babies cry can be a real trigger for having an unwanted um, impulse as I was mm -hmm. saying so let's think mm -hmm. about you know a mum who's perhaps feeling unsupported going through this <laughs> this experience of matrescence with all of the changes that that brings and you know have it being woken numerously in the night because mm. obviously little babies wake often yeah and you know waking for perhaps the second third or fourth time in the night and her baby's crying and she might experience an unwanted impulse say to throw her baby mm. if we think about what happens in those overwhelming moments and the not allowed these not allowed thoughts and feelings in that mother you know what's happening is her brain's gone into threat mode mm -hmm. so her emotional brain takes over and her thinking brain goes offline and then in that threat mode as I call it mm -hmm. you know she's perceiving herself unable to cope and to soothe her baby in that moment um we know this can be influenced by all sorts of narratives you know we have that perfect mums should always be able to soothe their baby mm -hmm. and a good baby yeah. don't cry so yeah. she's more she's you know she may well only be able to think in that moment I can't do this I'm failing you know this is too much and so what what's happening is because that you know that mum for her she's gone into threat mode 
the baby's crying is an understandable trigger, she loses the context. So I hope that example is helpful for just showing that what's important is not so much the unwanted <laughs> intrusive thought, but more about how she manages that moment of overwhelm. So that for, you know, is thinking about in the immediate moment, it could be, you know, putting her baby down safely and, or, you know, if she can hand over, hand the baby over to someone else um, and taking a moment, taking a few minutes to soothe herself. Mm-hmm. And so a really, really simple one could be, you know, um, breathing in for three counts breathing out for three counts and then if you can if you start to lengthen the out breath we know that automatically um, activates your relaxation system so your body can't help but relax so you then you might breathe in for three counts and out for six if you can Um, and just another one that it could be helpful in the moment is just having a self-soothing statement because it's so hard, isn't it, in the middle of the night to remember these things? Mm, oh my goodness, definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're like you say, you're um, you're in threat mode, so it's you're not thinking. Yeah, it's hard to remember that all of these things, aren't they? It's so hard, and you know, there's, there's all sorts of feelings. Um, sometimes women experience, like we talked about, the anger um uh, feeding the anxiety you know mm-hmm. resentment yeah resentment mm-hmm. um you know all of those feelings and and also feeling alone in it so if you can sometimes i think writing things on a writing say your self-soothing statement on a post-it note and having mm. it in your bedroom to remind you and your self-soothing statement obviously you want it to work for you one one that I sometimes talk about with mums is, you know, just using those mindfulness skills, really. So, you know, acknowledging the harm thought. So hello there, harm thought. I see you. Um, you don't mean anything bad about me. And I am safe. Mm. And I'm good enough. Mm. So, you're, you know, you're noticing the thought, you're acknowledging it with kindness. And then you're acknowledging that it doesn't mean anything bad about you because that's you know it's the meaning we take from these thoughts that give them power mm-hmm. and then trying to let it go yeah and I just want to reassure anyone listening as well that taking a moment or a couple of moments to step away from a baby is not the same as leaving them to cry it out you're not you know you self-soothing for an adult is really important you can't a dysregulated adult can't co-regulate a baby so it's it's really healthy and normal to step away if your baby is safe for a second this is not the same as you know sleep training or or anything like that you're you're it's it's an act of self-love and love for your baby to look after yourself yeah I think that's a very important message I mean god there's so much unhelpful stuff written about and understood I think about sleep training Mm. I think um what we're talking about is self-soothing and it's you know and again these it's so hot you cannot think straight in the middle of the night um often 
And yeah. then you think about all these feelings that come with an unwanted harm thought or an image or an impulse or whatever, then it's even harder to think straight. So, but what you do need to do is it is to sell Sue. So have your post-its up on, you know, in your room somewhere, reminding you to breathe. Mm. Um, and as you say, you know, we, in order to soothe our baby, we have to learn to soothe ourselves. So that is a big, big message of mine mm. and book because we really do need to learn that. And often as little girls, we're not taught those skills. Yes, yes. And what I love about, from what I've seen of your book so far, is how many practical, you know, like options you've got in there as well. So it's really, under, it seems you're really, you know, you're helping new mothers understand what's happening, why it's happening, but also what they can do as well in those moments in very practical, realistic ways as well. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm really glad that you that you said that because <laughs> that's the thing. It's kind of, you know, acknowledging the how hard it can be and helping, I think, helping women feel, you know, seen and understood in this huge transition. Mm. And, um, and then also offering quite practical strategies, you know, as, as a new mom, I don't remember reading loads of books, but just having, um, you know, my book's got lots of pictures. Yes, yeah. Soothing, which you can just dip into and, um, and yeah, practical takeaways. Shall I just say a bit, because I'm just aware that some yeah. listeners might be, you know, really struggling with unwanted intrusive thought. Mm. So I guess just to say on that, you know, we've talked a little bit about ways of self-soothing in the moment. Um, and, you know, I guess also it's important to talk about the repair and coming back together with your baby and understanding that as mums, we all make mistakes and that's okay. Um, and, and really the, the most important part is repair. Um, and I'm sure, Hannah, you talk about that. So I'm not going to I'm not going to mm. go into that too much today. Um, but if you're listening and you're feeling like you really are struggling with unwanted intrusive thoughts and, you know, they're getting in the way of everyday life with your baby and, you know, enjoying or functioning, actually, you know, just so really getting in the way. Um, then please do talk to a loved one as a first step you know that can be really helpful for making sense of your thoughts or at least beginning to purely through talking um and then also a trusted health professional so for many people you know well for us in the uk the gp is really the gateway to support so if you it's your gp or perhaps your health visitor um and obviously you know you can speak to your GP about a referral they may refer you to a psychology service depending on what's near you um, or you can access therapy privately and I guess just as part of this where we're talking about help seeking which is so important is that whilst the thoughts of harm coming to your baby are common and they're not clinic clinically alarming scary thoughts of feeling so low that you want to hurt yourself is not okay so if you have an overwhelming sense of wanting or intending to hurt yourself or your baby then it's essential that you seek help immediately by say calling 999 or visiting a and e 
So that's a little bit on help seeking because I just think it's really important to um, just to mention that because, you know, it may be that some of your listeners are actually struggling quite a lot with intrusive thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for, I I just honestly, I I really, um, I could listen, like, I think we could do about like 10 episodes and still have only, you know, scratched the surface on how much there is behind all of this stuff. Mm. Um, There's so much to, to unpick here, isn't there? There is, is yeah. There's there's a lot, um, and the first step is really you know understanding how common these thoughts are, mm. and that they don't make you a bad you a bad mum. Yeah, I always think that yeah. So if you can, if you can get to a place where you're not beating yourself up for not for feeling them, because you're you're going to have uncomfortable feelings around motherhood like we all we all do you know Mm -hmm. none of us are that perfect mum none none, I think sometimes as well because I'm in the world of sort of you know holistic and gentle sleep support there's this idea that if you're not doing kind of non-responsive sleep training or whatever that you're just this like zen like yeah earth mother type who doesn't ever who doesn't mind getting up to that you know who doesn't mind getting up to their baby 10 times a night because you know they're just you know they're so gentle or whatever and I just think it's really important to say no like we all feel we're all human we all feel feelings of exhaustion resentment frustration impatience (laughs) anger all of these things are part of it and um and I think it's, and I think as you've touched on, like there are reasons why we feel these things and they can be really unavoidable for lots of people. So if we can let go of that shame and then just focus on self-soothing and finding the right support for us, because obviously every situation is so unique, mm-hmm. um, then I think that's a really positive step. I think that, you know, that I'm just so grateful that we can have these conversations and that people like you are moving the narrative forward in this way and um, it's just such important work and I just wish I'd had your book like two two three years ago and I'm gonna buy it for I've got like a list in my head right now of all of the women I know right now that need it um, yeah oh thank you thank you yeah. well, anyone who's if you're pregnant um you know then hopefully it will I hope it will be helpful for when the baby comes and if you're if you've got a baby um yeah then and I guess maybe for some mums who who had their babies through lockdown are feeling like you know that they were slightly robbed of certain experiences Mm. and it could also be helpful um definitely yeah thank you you. um is there anything else I'm aware of time and sorry I've, I've rambled on but um is there anything else you wanted to add Caroline well, like you say, it's such a big topic. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think the main thing is just understanding that having these kinds of unwanted intrusive thoughts do not mean you're a bad mum. And the sort of learning skills to self-soothe um, in order that you can then soothe your baby and also for the sake of your own sense of self you know and, and trying to listen to to what's so what's un, underlying some of those feelings um what is it that you need what what mm. you know, what is it is it um a bit of space for yourself which can be so hard in those early months you know is it feeling more supported um is it you know so you can go out get you know, go out and have a walk outside you know mm. it's just 
just trying to listen um, to what those needs are um, underlying your feelings. But thank you so much for having me. Okay, so here are my thoughts on that episode. Something I've been really trying to work on myself, and I think I've spoken about on the podcast before, is giving myself more kindness and grace and self-compassion for my um, perceived or interpreted failures as a parent, as a mother. And I think just as women, but particularly as mothers, we can just be so hard on ourselves. And so I've also been reflecting a lot, listening back to that episode, reading Caroline's book, thinking about everything that she was talking about was this this super mum myth that I really think is so damaging. And I know a lot of the super mum myth gets blamed on social media. And obviously, I think that that is a part of it. But I think it's a bit kind of clunky and reductive really to say that it's because of Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp that we are now comparing ourselves to others and feeling inferior I think this has been happening for a long time and I think if you look at the other deeper layers of our culture you know film tv the media news outlets all of the 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 stories and the ways that we talk about and places where we represent ourselves there is this super mum myth and I think it has seeped into different stages of my own experience as a mother so definitely when I was um, when I was in that sort of fourth trimester newborn period I definitely had this image of a super mum who took all of that craziness in her stride and found birth feeding, nurturing, everything really as natural and effortless and that I definitely was quite critical of myself for feeling frustration, impatience, anger, rage, um, you know, angry at myself for comparing myself to others all of this stuff you know I just was very hard on myself in that newborn phase um and then when um I think about my life now several years later with a toddler and I think about the superman myth of working parents and how we put so much pressure on ourselves to have it all together to be juggling all these balls and doing it with you know a great wardrobe and you know fabulous everything I think that still kind of plays on my mind sometimes and it's not just the um, material stuff either of of you know the working mum juggling all these balls looking fabulous I think it's also you know feeling frustration and bored and rage and all of the other unpleasant and not so nice emotions that come up in life in general but but particularly around parenting that we can really shame ourselves for so I just want to open up that conversation even more because there's already lots of amazing people who are having these conversations in much more articulate ways than I am but I just want to throw my hat in the ring and and say you know I'm not 
a super mum. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even close and I don't think any of us are. And we need to sort of divorce ourselves from that idea. And because really what we know about child development and about matrescence and parenting in general is that children do not need perfect parents. They really just need us to be good enough. And so a big part of that being good enough is making peace with ourselves and being kind to ourselves and letting ourselves get it wrong sometimes as well because that is part of the process um, and like I said at the beginning if you're struggling with any of the, the issues that we've discussed today if intrusive thoughts or um, maternal rage are big parts of your life um, this is obviously just a podcast so I would really encourage you to seek further support um, and there are links in the show notes to various care pathways in the UK and I'm um, just sending lots of love to everyone thank you for listening as always and um, yeah please do get in touch I would love to hear it